Hey Chris, what's going on? Oh hey Slagathor, what's uh what's happening? Oh dude, your uh <laughs> your uh, your neck talons are really really looking good. You just get those ah, shaved? Thanks, man. Yeah, I mean, I mean like this cycle of them is a lot smoother than most. I I, I think I some something in the conditioner must be doing it. Oh, um, that's sweet. We really appreciate it. Your elbow tentacles are are actually coming in pretty nice this year as well. So oh, thanks. Yeah, I, I I made sure to sacrifice my first and second born on the third cycle of Lemnos. So like and second. Yeah, uh, you know, I I really wanted to get it because I got a big uh, got a big date coming up. Well, it's there's, there's always room for innovation in the in the realm of trying to get laid, huh? <laughs> yeah. Um. Yeah, man. I, I just hope it goes better than my last night. Oh yeah, what happened? Oh, man, like you you know, Dongalope invited me over to his uh to his field. How and, is uh, how we, is Dongalope, little... by the way? Uh sweaty. <laughs> yeah, for the most part. Oh man, I bet. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, and it was it was a pretty good time, but you know, it's small small affair, only close friends. There's this person that came by I I'd never met before. It was like actually a human, like. What? An actual human man. Oh my god. Yeah. Like his name is like Daniel. Are you or sure something? it wasn't somebody like wearing a person costume? No, no, no. I asked. Oh wow. And there wasn't like any obvious. I guess he could have been lying. Dude, I've I've never actually met one. What was it like? Oh man, you wouldn't believe the he he had no i he had no idea of the scriptures of the fallen angels. Uh, like it was it was like trying to teach a toddler really you know oh my gosh they're so just no knowledge of our of our of our people's plight or 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 immigration to this great land and just it was like honestly i was embarrassed of his ignorance yeah oh my god i bet like i i heard that they have like two stalks coming out of their midsection you you know you know we've got kind of these sex handles coming out of our torsos they're like that Uh but they got this weird bend in them um and 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 little like sausages at the end of them and Ugh. apparently really sensitive to touch. Ugh. Yeah, he tried. He tried to grasp me with one of them. Ew. I know. Wait, how sensitive? Like, like, did he have trouble like grabbing shard glass? Uh, well, there wasn't too much shard glass at the place, but he uh, what when I when I went for a greeting slobber. Um, yeah. He, he he commented on how clammy and moist it was compared to other handshakes that he's had in the past. Like as a compliment, right? I don't think so. Oh. Yeah, and and you wouldn't believe it. every time he talked there was this weird muscle in his in his cranium region, I guess you'd call it. Whenever they talk it moves back and forth. It's like it's pretty gross. Oh, bro. You must have had like nightmares or something. I I know, and it's like dude, if you're looking like that, how dare you? How dare you stare at my jarrings with such regularity? Like, he kept on glancing over at them. I, I honestly felt a little bit unsafe. And I, I don't know if I'm going to go back to Dongalopes again and, and soon. we got to clear it up. You know, I, I try to be, like, progressive dude and whatever, but I just don't know how well that they'll, you know, fit into our society. Right, like, where where's the line? I know, right? Ugh. Anyway... I gotta get going. I've got an appointment at uh, at four to shave off my knee gratings. Yeah, save them this time in a doggy bag. You know, Skittles is really trying out some new sauces, and he could use the he could use the fresh flakes. Sounds good, bro. Peace, hail, <laughs> hail Crowfan, hail Crowfan. <laughs>
Pale Crothon. We'll, we'll figure that one out. I think we need to shave some some bits down. <laughs> some shave some uh, neck filings. Yeah, just just file them off into into this vial. Get a tincture of neck filings. Yuck. Yeah, that's right. Tinctures never sound good. Yeah, you know? it's never like a tincture of orange juice. Right. <laughs> no, it's it's either it's either poison or some like terrible chemical that turns plants into monsters yeah i'm gonna i'm gonna get like a a gro- i don't know wh- how many tinctures come in like a gross i'm gonna get a gross <laughs> of tinctures and uh and just use them for all my my liquids throughout the day that's, that's pretty hipster you know pe- people like using mason jars for everything now i mean that actually makes sense i feel like you're more of a hipster if you use like vials or <laughs> yeah graduated cylinders <laughs> like if you have vial like the only two sizes your liquids come in are vials and cauldrons you're like <laughs> You're like a middle middle ages hipster. Like like Leonard probably would uh would have been a middle age hipster. Oh my god, I want to see the adventures of teenage hipster Leonard. <laughs> That'd be amazing. <laughs> During the Crusades. <laughs> that armor is passe. Oh my god, Leonard. Leonard. Um, no, I'm looking forward to talking about this show. Uh let's let's get into it. You picked a weird one, man. I know. You picked a pretty weird one. It's but good yeah. though. So uh Welcome, everyone. My name is Ben. And my name is Zane. And you are listening to the Carton Cast. The Carton Cast. Suck my balls. <laughs> Wait, is that like a catchphrase in it? Did you see that episode with the with the man pigeons? No, I didn't see man pigeons. I like the... And their beautiful language that consists entirely of suck my balls. Oh, God. <laughs> they, they have, like... I have some faults with the show, but their comedic timing is excellent. I just love their combination of, like, monstrous nonsense and New York stereotypes. Yeah, um, and that's... Okay, so we, we should set up the what the show is. Sure. Uh, Ugly Americans is a uh, an animated sitcom created by uh, Devin Clark and developed by David M. Stern. Right, so this ran on 2010 to 2012 on Comedy Central, and Devin Clark uh, made this web series called On Five with Alan Whiter, and it was this interview program where they kind of interviewed the monsters that, that we'll see in Ugly Americans, um, and you can really see where one carries over into the other. It just It's more of a format change than a style change. Um, yeah, it's... and David Stern wanted to try to exp- uh, he, he wanted to take it and turn it into a full sitcom. He, uh, he he worked on some early episodes of The Simpsons, and he was kind of instrumental in expanding the scope of those episodes beyond, like, Homer and Bart shenanigans to really get more people and sort of build this breathing system. So you can really see that come out in the show. That That's kind of interesting, because it does seem as, like, I mean, obviously you have a main character around which everything revolves, mm-hmm. but um, the characters are not that subtle. <laughs> as the simpsons (laughs) so like it's it's weird that he's like yeah we really need to get the whole cast in here and every member of the cast is by far less interesting than the main character so i think that might have been a little bit misguided with this show specifically but it's it's an interesting idea now you say that the other characters are not as interesting as the main character and i i want to explore that idea later it's Um, a doug thing man oh yeah yeah, like the most bland milk toast of the lot, but he has crazy like Coyoman fantasies. Yeah, he like 
we'll get into it. But yeah, yeah, um, yeah. We'll we'll get into the, it. The the idea of ugly Americans is we're in alternate reality New York City, mm-hmm. and various monsters and mystical beings uh, they coexist with humans, and we follow the day to day life of Mark Lilly, who who works in the Department of Integration to better acclimate the monsters to the big city life, and kind of vice versa. Yeah, and, and to give a little bit of context as to the title of the show and kind of the, the genesis of the theme of the show, mm-hmm. um, yeah, so p- the the term ugly American is a pejorative used in reference to essentially American tourists in other countries. You mm-hmm. know, I'm, I'm sure you've seen things like uh, National Lampoons or something where you, you'd have tourists who don't really understand the differences in culture and kind of make yeah. a mockery of it. Yeah, yeah, the you know they're they're fat and they're wearing those fanny packs and they're taking pictures and mm-hmm. you know generally the people you don't want to interact with and I'm sure they exist in every society but that's kind of T- the image America with hungry, has. Hungry, hungry in Hungary or some shit like that. Carrying a gun at Carrying all times. Carrying a gun, <laughs> yeah, sunglasses, little foam finger. <laughs> yeah, but yeah, like I mean, clearly like a misrepresentation of. American tourism, it's like their worst aspects, I guess. Like, the worst possible American tourist you can imagine, that's the ugly American. And it's kind of a mm-hmm. pejorative term used to describe uh, American tourists in general. Right. Um, there is also a novel that came out in 1958 called The Ugly American, which is a political novel um, by Eugene Burdick and William Lederer. Mm-hmm. And... It, which is a play on words on Graham Greene's novel, The Quiet American. And it talks about um, the failure of U.S. diplomacy in, like, um, in like Cold War era, or not Cold War era, um, like... Nova pre- Scotia. Well, well uh, like, kind of post, um, post-World War II, communism being on the rise, and mm-hmm. U.S. diplomacy turned out not to be as effective overseas and they lost a lot of markets <laughs> imagine that that there's cultural differences there <laughs> well i mean there's cultural differences for like uh more communist countries uh in in the asian markets mm-hmm. um but the the difference is that u.s diplomats tended to be kind of boisterous and overbearing and and pretentious whereas um people from the Asian markets would, would tend to, like, really try to integrate themselves into the society and understand the cultural differences. Like, right. not kind of overpower their potential clients with, with like, right. American well, you gotta, bravado. <laughs> you got to remember, this was the Andy Anderson period of our history where you had to be that person to get into a position of power. Right. And, um, yeah, exactly. And, and you know, you you still see some, like, whisperings of that even like 50 years down the road right except it's not military anymore it's just you know still loud it's it's extremely loud and um this was such a uh impressive political novel that john f kennedy actually sent like five copies to his top advisors being like read this shit this is the (laughs) this is the real deal this is how we appear to everyone else it's like he went to like a liberal arts college and like read like the road or something like yeah. like on the road and it was just like oh shit dude this guy gets right to this guy's deep this guy's real you gotta read it it's like what if we were all people man <laughs> <laughs> even the zombies wait especially the zombies <laughs> oh yeah so that's that's the that's the nature of the term and it let's let's bring it back to the show 
um, it wraps back into the show kind of in two ways. One kind of self-ironically because um, Mark Lilly, the main character who's the normal human in this world full of crazy, yeah, um, he is kind of the antithesis to the ugly American. He's very he's very calm and and tries to see things people's way and um, he's the he's the straight man kind of right. for everything in the entire show. So the antithesis of that ugly American concept. However, in practical terms, because he's works with the Department of Integration, he has to talk to all these monsters and, and fantastic beings and just straight up absurd creatures that could not exist. Like something with a, like there's like a guy with a fish for the, for the top half. Like, yeah. <laughs> and then there's like I, I a guy next to monsters. him with just a hook for the top half and they like stare at each other like mm. I I love the like, monsters in like the show. Um and it's great that we kind of get to see They're, the I, highest I'm concentration not, of them sold. because cuz New York City has this reputation for like you know, there's so many people, you're going to get a bunch of crazies. Um Right. And at at the Department of Integration, you know, like it's like in Men in Black you're you're following around the people in that universe who interact with the most aliens right Mm -hmm. so here we're seeing someone in the job where he has to interact with so many monsters and you never run out of monsters the world is so deep that's the yeah it's it's it just blue ocean you know it's a it's as big as your imagination allows for um although not really um they do focus a lot on like demons and stuff you you focus on things that have like a large cultural history because that makes it easy to make jokes yeah and there's a lot of pop culture references to the major um monstrous things in our lexicon mm-hmm. but um but i like the little and they they straight up have dips into other culture oh sometimes they just put celebrities in the show yes also <laughs> like that not even like knockoff of celebrities like one time they have like christ angel as like a chris angel ripoff oh nice and then another time they just have Al Pacino, who is Al Pacino and takes the and plays the role of himself, right? <laughs> so absurd. But like I was getting, let, let me let me finish the idea yeah. about um, the ugly American. Is that be, in every episode, Mark Lilly shows that he is incapable of doing his job because he doesn't understand the cultural differences. The cultural differences being like understandably obtuse and obscure and like opaque to him. Like, hmm. of course he wouldn't understand them, but it does bring to mind the stereotype, right? See, I thought that he was very good at his job. Like He's fucking up constantly because he doesn't understand the, the differences in culture. That's more because he has a shitty support system. Um, like, I, I thought, like, he's always very calm. He's always working to bridge gaps and, and uh, deal with these misunderstandings that arise between different cultures. Like, he's trying to understand cultures it's just like like there's so much well well that kind of breaks down the ugly american stereotype into two halves one of which he uh defies and one of which he completely encapsulates yes one is one is like the loud boisterous personality Mm -hmm. and of course he's the antithesis of that and then the other is just straight up ignorance of other other cultural palettes. I I don't know if it's ignorance so much as this American insistence that people have to assimilate in order to belong here. That might be some of it as well, but he also has not a great amount of understanding 
on a lot of the races. Like, you'll you'll have Leonard kind of show him the ropes and, like, tell him about all the different kinds of people. Mm-hmm. He, he's very un... He, 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 like, is pretty innocent of how demon culture works, which he finds himself in pretty regularly. And yeah. it's not out of malice. It's just there's so much new stuff in his life that he doesn't have contextualized yet, and it just gets him into trouble. Right. And, and it makes you wonder, like, what's the backstory of this universe? Like... Did monsters I was, just come I was out of nowhere? Trying suddenly? to figure out how this worked, like, yeah, because clearly some of them have been around for hundreds of years. Leonard has been chilling there for like three hundred years or something. <laughs> yeah, um, God, so I love Leonard. It, it makes you wonder why Mark is not better, and, and that's why I think it's just like an insistence that they need to they need to indulge in the American culture. I I, I don't know. I didn't see it as a as a as you didn't see it as flaw. a personal thing so much as like that's a part departmental of his job. insistence. Yeah, like like a nationwide, you know, get in the melting pot or get out. <laughs> right. To, to phrase it cannibalistically. <laughs> it, yeah, that was that's a weird metaphor. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like Bugs Bunny chopping up carrots for Elmer, Elmer Fudd. Get in the pot, kids. Good, good, good. Get in the pot. Um. Yeah. So that that's the basis of the show. And the the episodic format is essentially Mark has his job at the Department of Integration and he's trying to overcome these issues in his uh, people, in his, you know, his charges lives. Mm-hmm. It inevitably is difficult either due to misunderstandings or just because of the nature of the, the thing is difficult. And then his periphery insists themselves upon his life in a (laughs) usually synonymous manner right and and a lot of these situations lend themselves to real world analogs like uh domestic abuse addiction oh um, there's so much addiction in this show so there's there's a lot of um you know it like you said they're not very subtle in this show Um, no in fact each episode starts with him making you think it's going one way like the normal like you know, everyone everyone struggles to, to find their own place in the world. Everyone has their own demons. And it shows, you know, somebody, like, struggling with something. And then it's like, oh, no, there's literal demons. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> in sort of the classic way that they do it. Yeah. like, um, and, and they're pretty good about the whole, like, range of subverting your expectations for, the jo- for, like, the sake of a punchline. Like, they do that pretty good. Yeah, there's this, there's this weird combination of subtlety and crudeness that I don't know if they, like, fully mastered in this show. Like, um... Hmm. It's kind of like they threw poop on a canvas and painted a masterpiece in between the stains. Huh. That's a oddly specific image. (laughs) No, but picture it. Like, like in South Park, right? You... I was thinking about South Park the entire time I was watching this. Sometimes they're making social commentary. Sometimes they just want to have a big, sexy demon battle. Like... Yep. You they, saw the demon battle too, huh? Th- it's crude humor, but there's, you know, sometimes the metaphors are very strong and sometimes it's really tastefully done. This show seems Tasteful's to be fighting right with word. itself in certain ways. Mm-hmm. Like, and I was talking about Ethan with this as well, and he was saying, like, the show, it looks like it's trying to get somewhere kind of deep. And yeah. never quite <laughs> manages it. Right. And it, and... You know, like I, I, the 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 comparison to South Park is pretty apt because 
you know, they always try to, like, link it back to some larger message at the end, even if it's for the sake of a joke. Yeah. Um, but I think they do that a little bit better because there's not so much random horseshit fantasy hodgepodge thrown in my face. Mm-hmm. And that's not to say that that's bad. It's just, it's a little, t- I think the big thing I had, the big problem I had with this show is that it's just a little bit too busy and energetic. Like, it gets, there's just it a gets little silly. too much going on. It gets silly and it loses the message when it gets silly. Um, I think the jokes, like the humor is pretty consistent throughout, but, mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. I, I really enjoyed watching it. Like I'm, I'm like, when you Skype called me, I was currently in the middle of an episode, and when we're done, I'm going to finish it. Nice. Um. It, it, it's a it's a solid show. Like it has really good production values. Uh, the characters are entertaining, if not relatable. Mm-hmm. But I couldn't get past the feeling like they were. I don't know. It felt. It, it felt like they were. They had really. It feels like they have very good base materials, and they just didn't quite know how to put them in the right order or how to emphasize them the different parts correctly. Uh, they but, didn't develop them. Like I think this show could have benefited from a stronger sense of continuity. Maybe you're right, and I didn't see any of that. And you can kind of take it as a um, as an attempt to get like this whole broad emotional pastiche of all different Mark's experiences in a standard sitcom format, mm-hmm. but. I don't know. I just I just wasn't really that invested, I guess. And the the more you kind of rely on um investment, the less you need to rely on like a a stronger thematic tie. Well, like I can either care about what the show is trying to teach me or I can care about the characters in the show, but it's very hard to do both. And there's such a strong sense of gimmickry in this show that you you lose some of the character development drama, like on a personal scale. So like, you know, there's no tension about somebody dying because you see people getting murdered like every episode, uh, usually yeah. for laughs. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to get back into the whole, you know, macabre aspect of this yeah. um, later on, but let's, let's, let's start with the, let's start with the characters. Yes. The uh, eponymous, ugly American, Mark Lilly. Well, okay. So, the characters on the whole are, for the most part, just a mashup of fantasy, creature, or otherwise, and modern sitcom life stereotype. Yeah, just like cut and, like pick two and yep. combine them. Exactly. Um, and Mark kind of stands as the outside man looking into all that. Yeah, he. I, I thought that he was like a much more likable version of Tom from Tom Goes to the Mayor. He is likable. He's, he's helpful, hopeful, totally normal. Uh, he's trying to help people and resolve conflicts, even though that's not how this. Incredibly in stride. Yeah, even though that's not how this society works. No, not really. He sounds a lot like uh, Patton Oswalt. I thought. Yeah. <laughs> um, I I didn't see anything for the voice actor. Who is it? Uh, Mar some. I don't know. I don't remember. Hang on a second. I'm gonna look this up. I didn't. I didn't recognize any of the voice actors, so I just kind of Matt didn't write Oberg. Them down. Yeah. Yeah. Neither did I. But I, I want to like put them in my head because i feel like i've I, i've definitely heard the voice of callie before she's a pretty natasha yeah. lagaro is a pretty pretty good uh, but, um, comic. but mark like he's so like his job he's so accustomed to dealing with strong personalities and de-escalating that um mm-hmm. he has this he has this superhuman level calming influence on the people in his life even though like they're constantly threatening to kill him it's a mix of that and just like I think everybody just recognizes the permanent doormat status of him. Mm-hmm. 
and they just like they 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 don't get they get fed up because they don't have the thrill of the hunt. It's like, nah, too easy. Like, how angry is he going to get at whatever <laughs> I do to him? Like, he's on Valium constantly or something. Yeah. <laughs> and I really like this character because of how he kind of takes the whole the whole setting in stride. Mm-hmm. Well, he's, um, he's just got such, a, like, a likable voice and character model that, you know, even if the character himself wasn't fun to watch, you know, it's soothing. Yeah, and he's got, like, really good delivery like yeah. um every time he says something like it's it's kind of said out of like the quirk of the mouth of one of the, like the the writers of the show mm-hmm. like uh, like with a little bit of like a like a more a bigger sense of irony to everything that he does because like everybody else is like saying things as like the comedy guy mm-hmm. i guess and him as the straight man foil gets the opportunity to slip some uh slip some funny like subversive humor um, yeah, he, on he, under the door at the end. He, he also like tries to do humor sometimes. Like I, he's sort of like a cartoon dad before he becomes a dad. Yeah. Um, just sort of yeah. He's, to a, he's a everyone. he's a cartoon dad waiting to happen. Yeah. Um, um, and I really not one of those wacky cartoon dads though. I don't know, like like a so dog if dad. You, if you think like Jimmy Neutron's dad, like there's a calming influence there. You just like. <laughs> That's due to more confusion. Like, he talks until you forgot what you were mad about. I don't know. Like, just the voices of cartoon dads are, like, this sedative. <laughs> like, if you could bottle that. Mm-hmm. Like, sweet dreams. But, like, his... Like, the the way he makes jokes are kind of, like, to tie the absurd things happening back to, like, regular things that are... Yeah, yeah. Like, uh... Like if... That would happen in a sitcom format. <laughs> like, uh... Like, if... His wall explodes like some giant robot punches. This didn't actually happen, but I could see no. it happening. Like punches through the wall. He'll be like, nah, "I gotta ask the landlord about that tomorrow." <laughs> yeah, <laughs> or like he'll like uh, he'll walk into like uh, one of his charges houses and it's like full of like chinchilla people or something like that. Uh huh. And his first thought will be like, oh, "Okay, now this just screams a zoning violation or something <laughs> like that." Yeah, um, he's. He's used to the crazy bits, and he's noticing the details. I don't know that we that we would kind of take for granted. Yeah, and and he's meant to mirror the immigrant plight because he's also kind of assimilating. Uh huh. Like the influx of immigration is so great that he also has to assimilate, and he just does a really good job of it. Do you think it, like it? Yeah. Do you think like his? in like his focus on the things that aren't the point like the zoning violations for the chinchilla thing do you think that's like a sort of political correctness on his part like maybe he's, he's really trying not to like say like oh you know i gotta respect their culture i can't yeah you know. <laughs> i think when he is tasked with trying to like when he's he he is kind of ignorant of other cultures but whenever he's tasked with like a new phenomenon from some other creature, he treats it with the utmost respect and dignity. Yes. And he's just a progressivism poster child. Mm-hmm. Um, but that doesn't mean that he's kind of without malice or anger. It's just very easy for him to sidestep it for in the pursuit of justice and his job. We see like, him become If a somebody rubs badass. him the wrong way, he's not exactly quiet about it. No, he'll stand up for himself. It's just not much might come of that. No, and he just like, doesn't stand up that straight either. Like, like you're you're fighting zombies, dude. Um, yeah, he like doesn't he, make a show of it. He like 
almost like he knows he's not the center of the conflict. He's just like his job is just to be around and to like state things. He's just trying to survive. Um so there's this one uh this this one part where um Leonard uh the magician and um they go and see a Christ Angel show and it turns out that Christ Angel is Leonard's brother. Yeah. And Christ Angel invites him on stage and magics him into hitting himself. <laughs> and it and it zooms over to Mark and he's just like oh this guy's a total dick (laughs) (laughs) just his delivery on on things like that is is really great his acceptance of a situation and immediate working to fix it like i'm remembering one of my favorite scenes where he was in where like he went to hell and like callie and the demon people like made a clone of him or something (laughs) and he like trained the clone to pretend to be him because he had to do death battle with somebody (laughs) (laughs) okay and he just like and he sees like this carbon copy of himself die horribly and he's just watching from a distance like oh good the plan worked all right uh back to work and (laughs) he's so unfazed (laughs) he's seen too much yeah no that's that's exactly it but he's like he's seen too much in a capacity like there's two ways that people can face like madness and one is to accept it and one is to uh become it Mm -hmm. in a way like like not overpowering it but just like letting it flow through you in a sort of metaphysics zen sort of way and he's taking the latter approach like okay this is my life now settled that's fine i'm still me it's just they they can't break you if you don't have a spine that (laughs) exactly (laughs) yeah bend like the willow um however there are kind of hints in the show that all the things that he's like he's seen too much. There are hints that it is kind of bringing to the surface or like bubbling up this kind of more aggressive side to him. Oh like, yeah, I think he's more hostile than he lets on. Like he's he's feeling the aggravation that we would feel. He's just much better at controlling it, or like yeah, and it's like it's on a slow boil, but like you do get the sense that one day he might just snap. Oh yeah, absolutely. He's he's if they had a third season, that's what the third season would be about. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Him just going crazy and everybody else in the world just being like, This guy's fucking nuts. <laughs> we gotta we gotta handle this. Like he steals Leonard's wand and gets on top of like a throne and controls the world and No, he just they, does they're it like through... a resistance fighters and like No, he, he he rules the world through bureaucracy and caring, Zane. <laughs> it's the only way it could happen. Alright everyone, time for your two o'clock hug. Mm, yeah yeah it's like yeah, the ned flanders it's, it's like treehouse of horror it's the ned flanders like a glass of warm milk and a full frontal lobotomy oh man he, he like like this is his starter level and then cartoon dad jimmy neutron style is like his second evolution and then ned flanders <laughs> is the final evolution <laughs> ned flanders is the ultimate uh, but yeah this, ned flanders this is, is the devil character um what i, I th- think this is probably maybe the strongest character in the show and it's weird that he is because he's surrounded by things that should be more interesting, right? And this this show goes like like really bends backward over itself to kind of subvert and then resubvert and then re resubvert like what we're supposed to be watching. Uh-huh. The point at which him just being like a stable point is is pretty refreshing. Like you know where you stand with this guy. Yeah, let let the madness revolve around him, and if you exactly. ever get a little too dizzy, you can just be like, okay, there he is. I'm back in the center. Also, do you think his last name is like an effort to make him seem even more effeminate and and like? Oh bland? yeah, like he is supposed to be this generic white bread, you know, 
yeah, feels Ponce doormat. Feels police. <laughs> um, um, who should yeah, we talk about next? Let's 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 move down the characters. Um, I think the rest of the characters we can pretty easily kind of summarize what they're yeah. about. Yeah. So let's talk about Callie, mm-hmm. who is the demon uh, boss of Mark. Yeah. And they're also in a uh, torpid love affair. Yeah, it's like an on again, off again. Callie has this like love triangle between Mark and his polar opposite Twain. Yeah. And a lot of the plot lines um, in this show have to do with the office politics of hell, where her dad is like the king of evil. Uh, and these situations tend to spill over into Mark's life because you know, dating and boss. Yeah. So it's it's a reasonable source of consistent drama and tension, but I feel like it gets a little one note after a while. Like, oh, demons. They have this demon cultural thing. There's going to be blood in this episode. Maybe that's like a subtle way to like introduce us to Mark's plight. It's like we're getting kind of bland to it all. We're, well, we're think... kind of getting numb to it. <laughs> I think it's to make him seem morally better because like if all you see is demons, the normal guy seems like an angel. Yeah, I mean, and he's pretty much an angel. Like he he genuinely cares about his uh his people in the integration department and like he's always a really good friend to people, but uh, yeah, I, I don't know if the contrast is necessary precisely cuz he's he's kind of already a bastion of goodness. Right. Well, the the interesting thing is that he and the demons work as like bureaucrats. Mm-hmm. Um the demons in this show are portrayed as like upper management CEO types rather than mob bosses or you know like chaotic evil types. Like what do, I think what do you I like, think about that choice? I think I like this this representation of demons. I yeah. I think I like just like uh just like obstructive uh just obstructive bureaucrat as mm-hmm. as demon. I really like that. Um like... I feel like it's I feel like I've seen it before, maybe in Good Omens with Crowley. Uh-huh. Like, where he would just, he would make more paperwork for people and, like, make everyone 15 minutes late to work instead of doing blood sacrifices. Because he's like, no, no, no. You don't understand the spillover. Everyone's 15 minutes late to work. They take it out on their bosses, their coworkers, their spouses <laughs> when they get home. <laughs> well, they this show also has the sacrifices. Like, it, it's like, don't forget to sign your TPS reports in blood. You know, you gotta. Yeah. And then you kind of overdo it a little bit. And yeah. the part of the show that I find kind of unnecessary is how strongly they rely on the crutch of, this is a thing that you're aware of in fantasy. Let's talk about it. But talking about Callie in, in reference to this is interesting because she's only half demon. So she has a conflicting nature to her personality. One where she wants to be evil and then the other part where she's kind of like rebelling against her father by choosing Mark as her you know lover and they don't really handle this well i don't think they portray female characters in the show very well um, no they because, do not because rather than genuine develop character development it's really just like the oh i want to achieve and become you know a strong independent woman but i also hate my dad and that's yeah, kind of as it, far as it goes <laughs> it's it's yeah it's pretty 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 not great and and we never actually get like a sense of how she feels about mark it's always like well, I was all, just, all her, like I the was, relationship is always in the context of what does it mean for mm-hmm. like demon culture, not what it means to her personally. I was watching the final episode, um, and and he's like, you know, well, well, how do you feel about like why have you stayed with me if you really like bad guys? 
And she's like, you know, first I was doing it to get back at my dad. And then, you know, because I didn't want to, you know, feel like I had to date Twain. And then because you just, you know, you had a cable subscription. And now I, I just don't know. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And that's a shame because, like, I thought it might have been leading up. Like, again, in this, the way this show does it, it seems like it's leading up to a broader a broader social point or something. And then it just kind of drops it. Yeah. Because I thought that it might have been evoking this sort of... um you know, marrying marrying somebody who brings out the best in you or being with somebody who brings out the best in you. Like, do you remember, um, I think that maybe this was handled a little bit better in, in Futurama with Amy and Kiff Croker, mm-hmm. like rebelling against the bad boys to get the good boy. Yeah, there's, there's, I don't know. It, it never really comes across as organic in no. this. No, I mean nothing about the demon culture really comes across as organic because they 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 play the they ham fist those jokes in so hard. Yeah, like um, uh, and this is actually one of the jokes that I like, but it does show my point. Um, where her father is trying to get her to do something like like marry uh, Twain, and what the way that he does this is not like writing her a letter or calling her, but like making a lot of like omen esque references happen in her life. <laughs> Yeah. So like like a woman will be like standing on a building and being like, This is for you, Callie, and then jump off and just like, Really, Dad? This is your best omen, this is the best one you can come up with. <laughs> so, it's like, a cultural things difference. like that are funny, but they do take away from like the potential personal development there. It's it's a cultural difference and it's putting the onus of character development on this culture that they didn't really flesh out. Like you can't yeah. build dramatic character interpersonal development out of something that you just made up for a joke it can go the other way and and that's when the show is best is when it goes from you know established you know monstrous culture to this specific joke but when it tries to go the other way it it kind of can't can you can you give me an, an example of that um when twain has to like perform and have sex or something um, oh yeah, and he grows this giant horn out of his chest. Yeah, his, his what was it? His mating prod or something mating like that. Mating horn, something like mating that. horn. That's right. And he's and like that's funny because it's a boner we can look at all show <laughs> coming out of the dude's chest. That's funny because it's a boner we can look at. <laughs> well, you know, solid. <laughs> Just put that up on the old quote board. Yep, that one's a winner. <laughs> but officer, it's a joke. <laughs> Um, no, so he, you know, it's, it's like that. It's like, no, dude, you gotta, you know, you gotta get with a demon lady or, you know, to get rid of this. And it's like, oh no, because this will kill him. And this is a mating ritual. And they add on all these things over the course of several episodes after that, that like lend toward a culture that doesn't, it it, like contradicts itself. Um, it felt post hoc. I guess so. Yeah. You know what? It's. I had actually kind of noticed this about the characters, and I guess maybe about the setting as well, is it's not so much inconsistent as it is, like, unfocused, because because it's trying to... Because they really put all their eggs in the weirdness and jokes baskets, right? Mm Mm-hmm. So trying to do anything that's not those is... It does feel pretty um, inorganic, as you had stated. It's a hard thing to do. Right, and and it's okay for just a show to not hit you across the full emotional spectrum. Like, it doesn't need to be more... Like, this is... I mean, it's a fantasy setting, and then you threw sitcom at it. 
or maybe the other way around. Like, it's not going to be that deep, but you shouldn't pretend like it is. You shouldn't, like, set up these characters as having their own particular motivations when they don't. Mm-hmm. Yeah, just be honest about the fact, like, oh, this is where the show is going now. Yeah, and I guess they are honest about it, and I just didn't care for it, but meh. Not not my favorite character. I no. do like his roommate, Randall, though. Oh, yeah? Yeah, the yeah, zombie? He, yeah, he he's, um... I mean, the zombie aspect alone is good for a few quick jokes, but, like, he's he's a character in the sense that the zombie is not the most per- important part of his personality. No, he's the layabout roommate. Yeah, this is, like, sex Kramer plus George. What? It's, like, Kramer and George, like, from Seinfeld. George Jetson? No, <laughs> George Costanza <laughs> from, uh, from Seinfeld. No, like, combine them into one character, because, like, he's absolutely the worst person in the world. It, uh, he's really not though. He's just he's just selfish, but that's <laughs> that's as far as it goes. He's like like a savant at being selfish though. I mean, granted, but like that's kind it's kind of Mark's fault for not un, for not figuring it out. <laughs> I mean, he keeps on a lot I mean, that's kind of victim blaming, but like he keeps on getting you you can't you can't blame a blame a zebra for its stripes, you know? Like that's just who That's Randall not the is. phrase. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I guess you could sand them off or something. Ew. <laughs> I guess paint would be easier. Do you think that zebras are painted that way? <laughs> Zane, how else would they have stripes? It's absurd. I'm, I'm picturing this creation. It's like having it's paisley like, woodchucks. Long ago, there were horses, and then they had a big paintball game. and then. <laughs> <laughs> no, Zane, they wouldn't get the stripes across evenly. What they did was they went into an equine wash. And one of the brushes was was stained that day. Yep, that's what happened. <laughs> um, so I do like Randall, but he's like he's not the best or the worst character. He just kind of I think he I think he's one of the better examples of what a character in this show can do. Which is, yeah, he's a zombie, but that doesn't that all that does is give him additional verbs to showcase the way in which he is a sitcom guy. Well, the fact that he like doesn't work he has these like odd jobs let's him join in the action so even if it even if the plot is taking place you know specifically within the department of integration where all these other characters work you know he will show up he's like yeah i got a job as a caterer for a day or like uh you know oh i'm filming mark as he has this breakdown uh, yeah so i gotta follow along right he he's kind of another character that like if I kind of like the way they, they, they do this, actually. Like, this is pretty strong, oh, yeah. where if the situation requires another voice for whatever reason, he's allowed to do that. Yeah. Just yeah. just because he's not tied up by any of the other parts of the plot. <laughs> and that might not be, like, that's not a big deal, but, you know, it's fine. Um, uh, There's just one other character I felt like talking about, which is Leonard the Wizard. Okay. So... The outset of the show is that they the Department of Integration like axes their entire social services department except for Mark who does all the work <laughs> and Leonard the wizard who I don't know why they keep cuz he all he does is get drunk all the time and pass out and foist responsibilities onto Mark. So I think I actually saw this episode where um wizards like there's different types of wizards and he is the wizard of social services and um, <laughs> Which is confusing. <laughs> and, like, he laid an egg and had to raise a boy. And after 50 years of training, he would be able to retire. But he didn't. <laughs> he didn't raise the boy. And he tried to, like, squeeze in their training in an afternoon. 
<laughs> and, it, and it didn't work, so he had to go back to his job. Like, he is there for magical reasons, not because he's good at his job. Right. <laughs> so this is... I that That's a great example of, like, why I like this character as... So I didn't really like the demons as a vehicle for dumb demon jokes because I'm so familiar with demon culture, such as it is. <laughs> but I am very unfamiliar with wizard culture. So every time he says a wizard, weird wizard joke, I'm pretty on board, like to a greater degree than I would accept like a dumb vampire or werewolf joke. Mm. Well, he he's consistently a funny character because like he knows everything about this crazy universe. Like, he, he's very smart and has powerful magic. And he's but, been around for a long time. And he's been around for a long time. Like, he's he's interacted with all these various cultures and peoples. But he's so, like, he's lazy. He's an alcoholic. He's not tasked with doing anything productive. So all he does is make the jokes. Right. And, and be a hilarious pastiche of office worker and magic hobo. <laughs> right. Like, he, it, like, he's sort of like Avatar in that way. Oh, yeah. Yeah, from, <laughs> like it's sort uh, of a wizards. similar archetype because most wizards are self-serious. I love shabby and just to wizards. see the departure from it is more humorous than you'd think because most. Of, so you, if you have a demon in this show, they are evil, 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 evil. Mm-hmm. If you have a werewolf in this show, they are, or a zombie in this show, they are shambling. They're trying to eat flesh. They if want you have some... a wizard in this show, <laughs> yeah, especially Randall. Randall's always a... trying to eat some flesh. Yeah, exactly. Oh, I get it. Um, but if you have a wizard in this show. They're not like they're not homogenous. They're they're not homogenous. They're not what D and D taught us they were. <laughs> like he's just an office place drunk. <laughs> like and but but he has like like he has like this little pen stand in his office that says Excalibur on it. <laughs> <laughs> so he like takes this like the pen out of the Excalibur holder and I'm like, okay, that's a brilliant joke and I want one of those. <laughs> Like, shaped um, like a sword in the stone sort of thing. Yeah. He's just, like, whispering to himself, Excalibur, Excalibur, and just taking the pen out over and over again. That's great. It's pretty funny. There's one part where he, uh, where he's, where, um, I think it was in the pilot that, um, he sees, uh, what's-her-face, uh, Callie, kind of give a wink at Mark, and he, like, just sidles up behind him and is like, ah, pissing where you mix the potions, eh? <laughs> And I'm just like, that's the best joke ever. <laughs> Where did that come from? And, and they don't fa- pay attention to it at all. It's just, this is how he relates to his world. The fact that he's lazy makes it great because, like, one, he can't just solve any problem. And two, he creates problems because he doesn't, like, Mark goes to him for information, but he never tells the whole story. Not out of malice, just because, you know, he forgot. So Or doesn't care. He'll tell Mark, like, how to fix a problem, but not the the side effects that his actions will create Mm -hmm. um so that's a really good way for the show to like one clue us into whatever culture they're highlighting this week and two up the stakes through the result of mark's actions so that he has to fix it yeah i I like this character a lot i think he's the most affable non-mark of the show yeah um he He's good. I also, uh, even though you didn't feel the need to talk too much about him, I actually liked Twain, uh, Twain the Bone Raper, which is quite a name. That's yep. Just gonna <laughs> gonna ride right past that. Well, the name uh, might come from a 1976 film, Murder by Death, 
<laughs> so good. Um, and in the short that the show was based off of, where it's wait, like, that makes no did... sense. Wouldn't it be the other way around? Quiet, you. Um, no, death by murder. No, I think it's like the names of two intersecting streets. That's okay. All right, um, I, but you in, you do your thing. In the um, in the short that the show was based off, they were interviewing uh, uh, demons and like asking, like you know, oh well, what do you think about this issue? And one demon was like, "As Twain reminds us, nature knows no indecencies; man invents them." Ah, yes, the great uh, Mark Twain. No, Twain of Thorax, twelfth son of the Mud Beast, oh. Grand Demon of the Skullblood Clan, Grand Wizardly Fuck Monster of the Seventh Order of the Mud Guzzling Firebreathers. Okay, okay. The Bone Raper. I, I believe. The man made a fortune raping scorpions, then donated it to a demon fuck charity. I don't know. So, so like they actually kept the names from and the character images from the the earlier short. Um, his he's in huh. charge of the Department of Integration but his role gets a little less well-defined as time goes on. Yeah, well, he, he's also, like, a, he becomes more blandly demonic as time goes on. Like, he, he actually be- becomes, like, kind of the office sissy, in a way. Yeah, And I think that's just childish. to set up the whole... Huh? He becomes childish. Yeah, and it's just to set up the whole fact that Callie doesn't like him very much. Right, and has good reason he's, not he's to. He's okay, though. Uh, well, I think what I like about him is that he reminded me of Aku. Um, in that he's no a very way, powerful dude. demon, but easily distracted. No way, dude. Like, <laughs> he's not in it for the evil. That's not Aku. He likes evil. He's just doing it to impress his parents. Yeah, well, <laughs> aren't they all? <laughs> uh, and um, he, he has yeah. this rivalry with Mark. He and Callie have, like, this sort of, like, oh, no, they're supposed to end up together. Yeah. Um, they, they have an arranged marriage and all that. So At one they, point, they she becomes a, literally attracted to him, like, magnetically. Yeah. <laughs> because of demonic powers. It's pretty good. Um, but yeah, there's, also, um, for, there's also Frank Grimes, who uh, does law enforcement in the department. Is the name really Frank Grimes? His name's really Frank Grimes. Well, the guy who, who came up with him wrote on that episode of The Simpsons, so. Oh, what do you know? <laughs> I don't care grimy. for this. I don't care for that character. No, he like he doesn't make sense in universe, and he also doesn't make sense as like, hey, we should add a character. Not um, really. Like he doesn't seem to have much purpose, and I think they know that because they seem to drop him fairly quickly. Yeah, he he shows up when you need to. I don't know, add a car chase. Yeah, you, if you need like a law enforcement perspective, which you don't in this show, then it's no. then it's kind of his job. They also might have just wanted like an, another human foil for right. um for mark because he's like the worst like trump supporting racist ever he, he's he's pretty, pretty bad um yeah he doesn't so like maybe the... maybe they're just trying to get another perspective on the ugly american thing yeah um there's also a bunch of aberrations that mark tries to integrate and these are funny um I, I like the variety among them i i they... got i got pretty sick of it really yeah I mean, like, I appreciate the effort, but, like, there's only so many times you can make the joke, hey, this is the thing that isn't normally upright and cognizant. Right. Well, th- that's like, kind of why I like it. Because, because like, the okay. main plot lines deal with these classic ones, you know, dragons and demons. And, and this had, like, oh, no, there's, weird, there's like, two-headed worm people. There's a, a robot. There's, a, there's, like, a disembodied brain. There's a Croatian man. Yeah, Croatian man. <laughs> there's, like... Yeah, that's weird, right? <laughs> it's pretty strange. 
<laughs> and I kind of like that joke more than I should. <laughs> yeah. And and like that fish person you mentioned. So or the I, I got a kick out of seeing them. Yeah, you know, I just, I just, it was fine. Um, I think they might be relying a little bit too hard on the gag. Like, uh, like there's one part where like the fish guy, like where where he's having like a chili cook off or something, just because. Just well, you gotta why have not? a chili cook off. And the fish guy uses part of his own torso as part of the fish chili, <laughs> and that's the entire joke. And I'm just like, oh, okay, because he's a fish, and chili sometimes has fish. And I'm like, what? What exactly is the humor part of this? Okay, well, that's not like exactly what I like about the joke. But like when a brainstem guy, like his wife, starts like hanging out with Randall, and you have like, oh, zombies like brains, and it's like, oh, brain wants to like steal Randall's body. Mm-hmm. Like that's a that's a clever, that's a clever use of your monstrosities. That's true. That's true. I feel like most of the time that it is not that well set up. I suppose not. Like the worm guys, like they're just there to have a two-headed dude, you know. Well, did you see the episode where they had to split and it was a domestic abuse parallel? Ooh, I did not. That would have been good. It was good because like one of them like imprinted onto Mark, and the abusive <sighs> half was like. Oh, you piece of shit! You can't do anything right. But then, like, he started withering because he needed, like, they needed each other. Okay, uh, okay. You know, maybe you have a point. Maybe I just didn't see the episodes where those kind of weirdo one-off things came to fruition. I mean, I don't want to overstate it. They do sort of aggregate into this like weird mass. Mm-hmm. But I, I like the weird. I like the. I like the pigeon men. Um, I liked the vampire who's just extreme New York stereotype. Uh, I don't remember him. Is he the guy who worked at the pizza place? He's the guy who just kept on saying, over there. Jeez. I'm walking over here, over there. I'm walking there. here. Jeez. <laughs> why, why is it? Why is that funny? I don't know. No, it's not funny. And it's like, why, why is that a joke that is, like, you're, you're, you're kind of showing the reason that I find that perplexing is because apparently that's funny to people and I don't understand <laughs> why. It's like this weird, like, three and a half ways of referential humor that I just don't quite, like, it's not at a correct integer for me to be able to process it. I, yeah, I, I don't know if I can bridge that gap with uh, with words. It's just, it tickles me. <laughs> All right. Well, anyway, um, let, let's get away from the characters and talk about the tone a bit. Mm-hmm. So I thought that um, the references to the immigration department were all pretty solid. Yeah. Like the, if anything, they could have, like mm-hmm. I said, they could have made it into a, a longer plot line. You know, implement legislation. How does this, how does it, uh, you know, trickle down in terms of its effects on the society in the way that X-Men does it? Right. And then you get like, oh, Randall wants to eat Mark. And it's like, okay, I guess that's also part of the plot. You yeah. know, it's just like kind of mixing mixing a couple. It's crude and witty. What's that? It's it's both crude and witty. It has a moral, and it's also, you know, stupid. Yeah, I don't mind that. I just feel like it splits its focus. Yeah. I, I mean, it, it. I can't imagine it not doing that. Neither but can I, could, I, but... But it, like, could be better if, if it didn't. Yeah, but uh, on the other hand, like, the part where they do kind of reference this uh, anti-immigrant mentality is, is pretty good. Like, um, at one point for the tree gasm episode where these, there's these two trees in central park and they're going to mate. And it's like this, it's like Bonnaroo or something like people are (laughs) all going out to it to like, you know, support their local agriculture or something like that. And everyone, um, and 
Mark is not pleased with the with the with with tree day, treegasm day or whatever. Yeah. Um I guess because it's like exploitative needlessly. And so he goes out and um uh and like uh Randall's watching the TV and Mark is like, "Oh, geez, tree day. If it's not Puerto Rican day, it's some something about trees." I'm like, "What?" <laughs> Who are you again? It's just, <laughs> I, I don't know. For for some reason, that line was very funny to me. Yeah. The um. It, 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 sometimes they have these episodes where you wonder how society hasn't crumbled already. Their society or ours? Theirs. <laughs> um, like when? Oh, it's unsustainable. The, yeah. Like no, when absolutely. The they, they society don't... collapses when they forget a guy's birthday. They they don't. Um, they don't bother making this world make sense, and that's a great consideration. It they, is great, except when you're speedballing a bunch of these and you start seeing like inconsistencies that, I don't know, in the back of your head you're like, hey, you really need to account for why the culture is this in one episode and that in the other. I, I don't even think that's true. Like, I think you need something like that that for something like Men in Black, where it's much more seriously and realistically toned. And so you have the whole, oh, this is how the aliens get here, and this is the department, and this is how they fit in. Then it can all be explained. This one, we don't even know where the other country that these things are coming from. That's true. And it doesn't doesn't matter. Like, I don't know. I think that the tone is silly enough that no, it's not necessary to know all of the... It's not necessary to know precisely how it works. Well, the Simpsons do that really well, make you okay with the fact that things are the same... Uh, despite the difference, you know, the, the contradictions. And I don't know what they do that works so well. Um, I just feel like it wasn't as strong here. Huh. I, I feel the opposite way. I think the fantasy, I think when you invoke fantasy, it's actually way easier to um, to kind of hand wave, back of the envelope calculation, all of your nitty gritty details. When anything like that happens, a wizard did it. Yeah, pretty much. Uh, except um yeah so like do you remember when we were talking about treasure planet and we started talking about space whales Mm -hmm. and it's like you if you need a if you need an explanation for space whales you figure one out yourself (laughs) that's right we're watching we're watching treasure planet currently (laughs) perhaps you didn't see long john silver and his cyborg hands you're on your own for this one (laughs) right and i i think that's i think that's where i come down on this show no that's 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 entirely reasonable these are acceptable gaps in the logic. That that's fu- yeah, that's fine by me. Yeah. Um, another thing that I thought thought the show was really about was uh, kind of all about modern vices. Oh yeah. And because um, you have a lot of people who are turning to addictive substances. In Leonard's case, it's very obviously alcoholism. Randall is sort of a sex maniac slash wants to eat Mark. Yep. Um, even Callie seems to kind of be a sex slash evil maniac at times. Yep. And I think presumably it's about, you know, these fantasy archetypical roles chafing against an unfulfilling life. Like, oh, like they should be going out fighting dragons and shit. Pretty much. Yeah. They're like, cloistered. Right. I, I think it's like them kind of, they're, they're chafing against their established fantasy roles. And so they like, drown in a vice to kind of keep that in check yeah i don't know i um i i didn't 
see too much addiction. I mean, there were a couple episodes that really focused on it, but in general, I just thought like these were symptoms of them being one-dimensional characters. Yeah, and you can that that's that is definitely why it's there like that. I'm trying to give it more credit, I think. Okay. Is that you know, you you have a zombie in regular society, he or or uh, or a demon in regular society, a vampire in regular society, and they're trying to modernize themselves in much in the way that immigrants would just try to modernize and like acclimate to the new to the new land, to the new world order. But you know, hiding these aspects of yourself which are so like integral to your satisfaction is a tremendous like neurological cost, well, and that has may- to be accounted for. Well, maybe that's why. Randall and Leonard are more interesting than Callie because their addictions don't have to do with their mythical subtype. Right. Yeah, exactly. Totally agree. Um, you know, a, a zombie with a sex addiction, a, a sex addiction is, uh, you know, it's not just a zombie doing extremely zombie things. Right. Although he does get like flesh cravings. Which is, Don't we all? You know, <laughs> talking about my penis. Um, yeah, so it's. I think you're right. I think it's like a little bit more relatable when it's not just like genetically imposed addictions, I guess. But like for the for the wizard to have an alcoholism problem for some reason that 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 feels very real to me. <laughs> as absurd as that sounds. No, yeah, wouldn't a wizard? Yeah, of course they would. They've seen too much, man. Um, yeah. So, figuring out how much of their troubles are just fighting conventional monster impulses, I think, was one of the more compelling parts of the show. And you can even take that as, like, a generational thing. You know, the world growing up so much faster than we do, and just trying to acclimate to all this technology, and 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 kind of trying to find our place in the world, and necessarily and needing an out because of it. Well, that's a weird thing, too, is because this show is not that old. It's, like, 2010. Mm-hmm. But I can't imagine it, like, doing as well today. Think so? I think so. Um, Why? Because, because the levity that they approach... Like, South Park can get away with it because it's been around forever and it's always done this. Um, but the levity with which they approach uh, those issues and the sort of crassness that they translate them in i I don't know i feel like it's a less less fitting of a modern aesthetic it's a little too personal right now yeah i think yeah like everyone already feels bad about all this stuff you know maybe (laughs) maybe if you're on the if you're on the like economic upswing and you know the little problems in society are not indicative of like the fact that it's just totally broken like it's a little bit easier to laugh it off but here it's just a little bit too close to the truth. Could you imagine if the end of the episode had like a PSA on whatever they were talking about and like with like links to real help stuff? That'd be an interesting way to do it. That is perplexing. <laughs> I can't quite fit those together in my head, but I I do totally agree with you. <laughs> I think they go a little bit too close to real world injustice for it to be funny. Yeah. Well, it they introduce the parallel early on in the episode like oh, you know, this is about immigration. And then the show kind of goes off the rails halfway through, and they never really resolve that real issue. Yeah, they're reaching in a few too many directions, it seems. Mm -hmm. Which isn't to say that there isn't, like, a lot there. It's just not a lot that's focused, and I really appreciate focus in my cartoons, (laughs) absurdly enough. 
and it's not a one-time thing. That's a consistent issue with this show is is it's formulaically incoherent. Maybe it's a pacing issue. Like I think so if we if we do try to tie the South Park parallel a little bit farther, like what is the what is the progression of the plot in South Park? There is something that is reminiscent of real world events happens in their lives and everybody freaks out in either conservative or liberal ways. And then at the end, everyone's just like, oh, we were all being idiots. Here's the right answer. Thanks, Matt Stone and Trey Parker for telling us the right thing. You know, it's it's focused. It might not yeah. always be right, but it's always focused. Mm-hmm. And here it, you know, buggers off into demon <laughs> sex fights. Like, whatever. More, more demon sex fights than ever, anything else that was on at the time, certainly. <laughs> Probably. Most. Um, so to talk about the... Um, I want to talk about one thing about the jokes. Okay. Which is that uh, I like how half of the jokes are about the fantastic setting. And that, like, I, I don't like that half of them are, but because half of them are, it makes the mundane jokes very funny, like, in, in comparison. Right, so like you said with Mark coming in and saying like, oh, zoning violation, like... Yeah, like that's hilarious. <laughs> that is so goddamn funny. And, like, and, and okay, even, I actually made that one up, but... Even though it's un, it's an unfocused show, they alternate that well. So they'll have a, a, a crazy, ridiculous joke and then intersperse it, I, I think pretty evenly. Yeah, and I, I think I wish I... I think I wish it was less even. Like, I don't mind having both those kinds of jokes. But um, I, I like the mundane humor with an absurd setting a little bit more. Like the, the, like the, slow, gla- the slow clap gag in the pilot. Do you remember that oh, one? Oh, uh, vaguely. What happened? It, it's like... Uh, uh, oh, shoot. I can't remember what it was. Oh, man. I'm well, t- I'll, I'm I'll, inter- I'll interject. You know, the... You know, mundane humor in wacky setting or wacky humor in mundane setting both work, and they're both in this show, but I think they just get their lines crossed a little. I don't think that wacky humor in mundane setting works very well. No? I think it works less well, or it works less well on me, I should say. But, like, mundane humor in wacky setting is a lot lot stronger to me. Like, As I get older, definitely. What's that? That might be an age thing. Maybe. It, it is representative of a lot of modern comedies. Like in uh, Rick and Morty, there's um, there's that one there's that one uh, there's that one episode where um, Rick is taken to the Council of Ricks to do something. And then at the end, he's like, oh, no, if you'll excuse me, I have to get back to my pancakes. They're about to reach that weird, like, you know, syrup cake mass interplay <laughs> where it just turns into a disgusting paste and we're all like yeah i know exactly what that is you weird space scientist with a bunch of clones of yourself right right or like um or like in venture brothers there's that one episode where um they leave hank alone um to to like mine to like mind the house while they're off in new york city for whatever reason and dr venture is like okay hank um, you can, you can eat, you can have steak ums, but please don't use the oven. You got to microwave them. And he's like, you can't microwave steak ums. They get all hard. And <laughs> like a weird Seinfeld conversation in the middle of my absurd well, costumed villain hero interplay. 
you know, it's interesting. It's hard for me personally to distinguish, you know, is it an age thing or is it just how humor has progressed in our modern times? Because, you know, in in kids shows, it's more, you know, oh, this wacky person is doing wacky things, you know. Mm. Uh, what's what's Dexter up to with his crazy robot at the playground? Um, hmm. But, you know, it might have been, if it is something in the culture and in the humor style of, of today versus, you know, just me growing up and enjoying one over the other, Ugly Americans might have come out around the time when it was switching. I don't know if that's true, because consider Teen Titans Go. Okay. Like, that's that's certainly more recent even than Teen Titans and apparently there's a big market for you know that kind of dumb humor although you know I, I watched like an episode or like a part of it and it's not as dumb as we're making it it's not like random sounds and noises dumb all right well I like, guess it's I... more like a wily e. coyote roadrunner thing which yeah. you know that that that's got pretty that's subversive classic. humor and i'll still watch that and be pretty engaged oh yeah so I guess I won't try and make the case one way or the other, but I'm just going to let that out there, that uh, that ugly Americans might be acting as a bridge of certain humors. Yeah, I don't know than, if that's a generational un- thing. I'm going to give it the credit rather than saying that it's unfocused. I don't know if that's a generational thing or cultural thing either. I think that's a good thing to keep in mind, though, because I'd be interested to, to know whether or not my own um, co- comedic idiosyncrasies are like a facet of our larger you know, generational... Um, capacity which mm-hmm. is not the right word for it but whatever <laughs> uh, anyway yeah. that's, shall we shall we move on point. to other yeah let's go on to animation so th- this show is designed to look like ec comics which notably did tales of the crypt and other monstrous entertainment mm-hmm. um so it has mixed results here um it looks good um i think the facial expressions are really on point but the Fa- motion is not great. as fluid as it as other shows I didn't pay any attention to the motion. What are, what, what are your sources? It's just like, go back and watch a cycle of Mark walking, and it's uh, you can kind of see what parts of him are not being animated, just like, oh, yeah, like the translated along the, the horizontal. What? Is it like arms straight down at the sides sort of thing? They move, but they move so consistently and robotically. Yeah, I, I, I don't can kind of see it. It's... Uh, you know detail at the cost of of fluidity yeah i I think that maybe animation is is one of the weaker aspects of the show actually because i do think that it's good animation but in the same way that they are trying to do too many things with the structure of the show they're trying to take it in too many directions i think that they are they they put a little too much work like they put a little too much there's a little too much going in here like, it's mm-hmm. kind of busy for my tastes. I think it kind of had to be. I think one of the more successful aspects of it is that it made all of the different creatures look like they all belonged in one place. I guess that's true, but it's not just the creature. I mean, maybe if you... Yeah, it, I mean, if it needed to be the setting as well as the creatures just so that it was like a like a, like a a hole, that, that, I guess that does make sense. That's a good, that's a good point. Um, but, like... And and you know the, I, that that can be a good point. It needed to be like that to get the, the the immersion across. But the result of that is an art style that has a lot of color and a lot of sharp edges. Yeah, and it's very it's very offensive to me. <laughs> it it 
it plays on the eyes in an it, unflattering way. It does. Like there's, just, I feel like someone like vomited Fisher Price on doing <laughs> this. It's yeah, just not Vincent Price, which is what you want in this show. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> and not vomiting, <laughs> but having diarrhea. Not nice. a canvas. I'm I'm glad that we've really like nailed down face. what this show is all about. <laughs> yeah. Wait, did we write this show? I'm confused. <laughs> but like, if you look at some of the, like the climax scenes, like the like the demon sex fight, or um, what's another one? Like the the trees having sex in the park, and it pans out, and you get this, like it's you get a when you when you take it from the room with all the fantastic creatures, which is an animation that I find is okay, and you broaden it to the larger New York area with a bunch of nameless faces and a bunch of weird shit going on in the center and then the backgrounds and, like, the colors of the sky and grass. And there, it's just too much to process. I, really. I just don't and like the way up, New York City looks. Kind <laughs> like of. Like, in real life. So, yeah, I kind of gave that a pass. Except way more colorful is the thing. Like, I think maybe if they toned down the color a little bit, it wouldn't have been quite as offensive to me. They needed a wide palette for the monsters, but they didn't need to apply it to the background. They they also can you can also just have a wide palette without making everything like you don't need, you know, the brightest gray there is in order to make a zombie. Right. You you don't need the brightest red on like a vampire's fangs to know it's a vampire. Like I think that might have been and it makes the characters pop a little bit, but it, everything is popping. Yeah, it's a little oversaturated. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. But yeah. I don't know if you felt that way at all about the art style in general. You know, I wasn't really thinking about it, but that's I, I would definitely see that. So interesting. Um, like you are you focused on more of the motion and I'm kind of focusing on like the static images. Uh, yeah. Uh, and that's kind of why I liked it just because I could see their facial expressions change and I think they they leaned on that more. There wasn't as much walking as there was reacting, like playing to their strengths. When it's just a couple characters, this show does a little bit better in in the way of animation. Mm-hmm. Um, which isn't to say that I didn't like the background gags. <laughs> like background gags are the way of the future, Zane. Every good show starts <laughs> to have I mean. awesome background gag- gags. What like, were some of your preferred ones? Um, so they're walking past, like he and Leonard are walking towards something, and they passed a bookstore, and it's uh, Abdul Alhazred's used books. No, I like that. You, you know who that is, right? It's the guy who wrote the Nebro- Necronomicon. That's correct. <laughs> yeah, I, I had to look it up myself because I'm like, that is something. That's either that's either Nosferatu or yeah, but yeah, yeah. I mean, there's so much to draw from, and there's so much you want you would want to put into a show like this. Uh, picking and choosing can be can be difficult, and that I think if they had done more with background gags rather than trying to put it all in the plot, that that'd be a good way of doing it. I mean, that's not the only one. Um, there's also on Twain's door. Um, there's like a plaque that just a placard that says "Abandon all hope, ye who enter here," <laughs> which is a nice like that's a nice little touch. Like the character I want that doesn't. On my door. The the character doesn't need to be shouting his demonic roots to me for me to understand that he's a demon. So, but he like, does. You just he still does. He does. But when you make the joke a step removed, I find it a little bit more effective. mm Hmm. Yeah, because like, it feels more real. It's like a part of their culture. Like, not every part of people's culture is at the forefront, you know? Totally. Totally. Um, and, and, like, in the in the way that everything about their... Like, even... In, it's a kind of a tie-in with the animation in general. It's just that it's hitting me with too much at once. 
if the jokes are removed in this way, where they're kind of almost like background gags, I feel like if they're not hitting me directly, that they're a little bit better. Yeah, and I, it, it's weird because they didn't, you know, the two main cultures that we see are human world and demon world, um, not in that sense, but they right. don't do a lot to distinguish those in terms of the backgrounds, you, and I think you, they really could have. Were you talking about Yu Yu Hakusho? So Yu Yu Hakusho is a great show. Where <laughs> Just now? With um, human world and demon world? I, I didn't mean to, but I know that that's what comes up. But, like, um, like the demon, the demon, like, city or whatever has, like, a Starbucks and, uh, you know, you know, various puns on stores, but it's very metropolitan. <laughs> yeah. Like, they don't, they don't perfect. distinguish these cultures, just, and I think they just really perfect. I, I love, I love Starbucks. I love the, I love the idea of Starbucks. Like, that's exactly the kind of joke that I want in this show. Maybe, yeah. maybe the answer to the problems that I had with the show is just moving everything kind of back, like moving step. it, move, moving it upstage a little or downstage, downstage, which way is forward downstage. Okay. So upstage, if you moved everything upstage a little bit, I think maybe the show would have been a little bit easier to process for me. Uh, yeah. What did, um, what did you think of the music? Because I think the music and the animation in that sense are working oppositely because the, the audio is very in the background. It is. I barely even, like, the only theme that I kind of noticed was the whole... That's the only theme. Yeah, it's the, it's the only thing, right? It's, it's, it's this twangy song that kind of sounds like it's being played backwards. Yeah. Um, and it's weird because the ending theme sounds like it's that song being played backwards as well. Can you remind me what it is? I'll plug one after the other, but um, yeah. But that, that's another thing where I think, like, I would have loved it if the music in the Demon City was remarkably different, if it, if it evoked a different culture. Wouldn't it be funny if it was all like, uh, I'm, I'm thinking either it's got to be like um, ACDC or, um, or like some of the like Christian rock covers of songs. <laughs> I was thinking Poco myself. <laughs> You're so fucking weird. <laughs> <laughs> hey man, it, you can't just control what you think. <laughs> that doesn't that doesn't invalidate my statement. Yeah, I guess. The nice thing that I thought they did with the music and animation together is montages. Oh yeah, strong montage game in this in this show. Did you see any of them? Uh I think I saw the one where uh Mark trains his clone. Um, I think there were a couple of murder montages. Well, which ones are you thinking of? The uh, the ones I'm thinking of. Th- there's two, and they're both great. Um, so in the tree episode, the guy who is going to have uh, the the guy tree um, kind of embraces this um, really absurdly. Um, the tree is trying to be a player because he is awakened to the fact that he can have sex with so many people and do all the recreational drugs and stuff like that. (laughs) And then Mark to kind of solve this problem comes by and brings Randall there to kind of give him a talking to of like the dangers of sexual promiscuity. I love it when Randall is useful. Yeah. And what he does is Randall just starts discussing his sex history and it's just a really 
it's just a bunch of really terrible endings of anecdotes in quick succession with <laughs> Randall making crude gestures and the tree becoming more and more horrified. Yes, I love it. And so he he's just like, that's when I learned the meaning of a donkey punch. And like, it's overlaid into the next one. So you yeah. can, they're just a little bit closer than a nonstop sentence. So oh. like he stops saying the sentence as he's starting saying the next one mm-hmm. from scene to scene in a montage. So he's like, there was blood in my stool for a week. And that's when I figured out my crabs, crabs had chlamydia. And it just keeps going like that <laughs> for like five or six successions. And just, it works really well. Yeah, that's really good. There's another one in a similar episode where Randall, where, <laughs> this is so where Randall's penis runs away because he had sex with a really ugly woman, apparently. God. <laughs> um, And so... Randall is having a montage of, like, wistfully thinking about his dick. And so he's walking by a bunch of phallic imagery. Like, watching, like, a, a, a train trying to go into a tunnel and having to back out over and over again. Oh, yeah, that's right. And it culminates, finally, with him standing in a line for a movie. And then it pans up, and you see that the title of the movie is just Penis the Movie. <laughs> <laughs> I I really feel like this show was entirely written, directed, animated everything by exclusively men. Like there's Oh yeah. <laughs> this this show does not even try to gender balance things. No, they don't. And it might be it might be untoward of me to say so, but I don't think that's necessarily terrible because the show is marketed to men pretty much. This is this is like crude comedy central. It's a little bit echo chambery, right? A little bit. You're getting your ideas from the same people you're, and just like ex- excluding everyone else. And also, in a Tenchi Muyo sort of way, you're kind of cheapening the role of everybody who isn't your audience e- but it's, in, in their eyes. But it's so weird because this show is all about like integration and other voices. Yeah. <laughs> at least, yeah. at least on the face of it. Yeah, the whole integration sub theme of this show does a lot for it. It 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 allows you to draw these parallels, but trying to draw them too hard writes you into some corners like that where you're like, mm, they probably could have integrated other kinds of this audience a little better." If if they had focused a little more on, you know, these direct parallels and making them a bit more subtle and more universal, this could have been like, you know, holding it up as what can happen when you let a bunch of different voices all collaborate? It could have. I, I don't... It's hard to say if that would have come out better or if it would have just been even more confusing. Yeah, for, for for what I it do is, that, I like this show. Yeah, and I think I like it. I just kind of wish that they focused a little bit harder on whatever they were doing. Mm-hmm. It, it, it does seem like they tried to have everything and kind of mastered nothing. Mm-hmm. But there's some there's some really good stuff about the show. The comedic timing is really on point. The voice actors are all great. Yep. The jokes are usually hits. And if they're not hits, they're fast enough that you don't care. Right. No, I was consistently entertained. Um, you know, I, 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 I like to gauge early on if a show is something that I can watch or half watch. You know, I'll always watch something, you know, a few episodes full attention, but, mm-hmm. you know, but this show, you know, sometimes I would go away from it, you know, pl- start playing a game and I'm like, no, this is going to be really funny soon. I'm, I, I, I can feel it. Yeah. Yeah. And, and you don't need to focus on it entirely, but 
if you do, you're not wasting your time. Yeah. Like your attention is being is being rewarded. And in that sense, and it's that's, a very successful sitcom. Yeah, that's all you want from a show. Yeah. yeah I like so, it. Yeah, so like as a sitcom slash like parody, I think it just does a little bit better as a sitcom and not so good as like a, like a real world parody. And that's okay. I think they just didn't market it like that, which is which which is causing some of the issues that I found with the show. Agreed. Yeah. Yeah, this is pretty good um, though. Yeah. Um so what are we gonna watch next episode? Alright, well next episode we're um singing a happy song with the Smurfs. <laughs> and Zane, what are we doing after that? So after the Smurfs we have our sixty fourth episode. Yeah, okay. Why did you want to do this one again? So, do you remember what we did for our 32nd episode? Um, Mega Man? That's right. It was a video game. Oh, interesting. And so, for 64, I want to do a show that has a lot to do with games. Uh, oh, no. A 64 game. So, we're going to be watching an anime. It's Kirby right back at you. Shit! <laughs> <laughs> okay. I'm, and Zane, this show does not hold up well. I'm going to tell you right now, it's not great. I'm I'm sure, but I like the intro a lot. Um, oh sure. Well, we can just talk about Kirby. Yeah, and and also um, uh, Brawl in the Family. We can talk about Brawl in the Family. We can talk about uh, Kirby's Air Ride. <laughs> you know, boss a lot of people City seem Mode to hate was. that game, and for good reason. Because <laughs> they weren't playing City Mode. Yeah, they weren't playing City Mode. Um, and we'll also uh, have the Cartoni Awards coming up at some time soon. Probably a, a shorter one. We've had some, you know, time time crunch stuff. But uh, yeah, I hope but to have we're a back few... on we're back on track until Zane's wedding. Yeah. At which point, I'm probably going to put out an impromptu episode by asking various people what they thought of Scooby Doo oh, at the reception. That, sound... that sounds great. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I honestly would love to set up like a table where people like a... just come by and talk about their favorite cartoon wedding moments, like a booth. <laughs> Yeah, that's right. <laughs> Best wedding ever. No, of course I won't do that. That's a little bit too crazy. No, no, but, of course. But we should be getting back on our regular schedule, so you're welcome, world. Yeah, world. You asked for this. You <laughs> did this fault. to me. <laughs> um, okay. And... Suck my balls. Suck my balls. <laughs> Good night, everyone. Suck my balls. <laughs> What is that? You like the stilo? Because you know you do your thing. If you do that wedding booth idea, just like just set up a set up a like a a one minute cut of a cousin skeeter episode and show it to people and be like so what did you think of that (laughs) tell me every thought that popped into your head i was working in the lab late one night when my eyes beheld an eerie sight for my monster from his slab began to rise and suddenly to my surprise his trousers dropped right to the floor with his bottom bare he ran to the door i said frankenstein what's gotten into you he said my dick is hard and i need to screw 
Dougie did the monster fuck. The monster fuck. It was a graveyard 